Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Buffalo Sports Podcast. It's your host, AJ Sabalski. Again, I am joined by no one other than Matt Perino. Matt, how are you today? What's up, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Uh, you know, the Bills sweeping the Patriots for the first time since 1999, so that's a pretty big deal, I'd say. Yeah, man. It's uh, and it was uh, it was pretty easy. I I thought that the Patriots would end up with the extra day of preparation, put up a little bit more of a fight. You know, one of the things I don't think we've talked enough about and we didn't really cover it on our pod last night is I think it's important to remember that this Patriots team is undermanned considerably. I mean, the, you know, part of that is their own doing by lack of, you know, putting players around uh, Cam Newton on that offense. I mean, missing Julian Edelman all year and like some of the injuries they've dealt with and the opt-outs that they've dealt with. I mean, this was a, beleaguered franchise and beleaguered team when the bills got a hold of them yesterday, but good teams pound bad teams. And, and that's what happened. And it's a cool thing. I think for bills fans to be on that side of the down for a change. Yeah, that's for sure. So I just want to give you everybody a recap of the game. Also from what I remember watching, uh, it was a pivotal fourth down uh, and Belichick does what he usually does, and he tries to, you know, almost trick the, the punter in thinking that, oh, man, I got to get rid of this punt quick because the whole house is coming. And McDermott, or whoever made that call to fake that punt, really outcoached Belichick because I've seen him do it plenty of times in the past and where the punter just gets it off or they block the punt. And um, that was a pivotal point in the game, and that, that really carried the momentum and set the tone of the game. Uh, Josh Allen makes a beautiful throw to Diggs. Uh, to make it 17-9, he had a lot of space. Halftime, we come out, we score again. Diggs bounces off a tackle, uh, phenomenal catch, and gets into the end zone again. And then the, the last touchdown I remember to Diggs, when they said in the, uh, the, the presser after that it wasn't meant to happen. Like, Allen, Allen kind of rolled out to his opposite side, his left side, not, not his usual right side. And Diggs, you know, broke, broke to the pylon, back pylon, and – Allen just threw from the 22-yard line to the back of the end zone, a rocket, and Al, or Diggs held it in for the touchdown to give them the lead and let Allen rest for the rest of the game. So uh, I'm just going to go over the stats real quick. Uh, Allen was 27 for 36 for 320 yards, uh, four touchdowns, a 138.7 rating, and 35 yards rushing on the day. Zach Moss had a, had a good day, uh, almost five yards of carry, 12 attempts for 57 yards and a touchdown. Diggs, another phenomenal game on the big stage. Uh, nine catches, 145 yards, three touchdowns. And then Dawson Knox, who in the beginning of that game dropped the ball, and Tywan Jones um, dropped the ball in that same, that same drive, finished with three for 51 and a nice toe drag that was on good morning football. So I just want you to talk about the game and your thoughts on Allen and the, how the offense came out. Yeah, I thought, um, you know, early on, I think that there was – you started getting flashbacks to, you know, letdowns of the past and not even letdowns, but like, you know, there's been games, I think even this season where Josh, you know, uh, you, you bring up the Kansas city game, the Tennessee game. And I think that there was, you know, extenuating circumstances. I think he was dealing with a shoulder injury. He was missing some key components in, on the offense. And, you know, obviously he came out and it wasn't what I think a lot of fans expected out of him because of how hot the start was. And, you know, the first game against the Patriots, you know, the Bills, you know, they kind of dominated that game. The run game was really strong in that game because Zach Moss had a couple touchdowns, was getting it going on the ground. 
but but Josh wasn't really super effective as a thrower in that in that one, and understandably so. And Bill Belichick has has had his way with young quarterbacks in this league, and you know sometimes experienced good quarterbacks as well. And so that's what I was really looking at in this game was how does Josh Allen respond, especially if it if it was a struggle early, which I think that it was. I think there was some confusing. You know they were they were they were setting back in their defense and and basically daring him to beat them with the underneath stuff. And as the game went on, he started to take those plays and and you see the weapons that they have. You know Cole Beasley wasn't even really involved that much. And you know I I thought that you know two things. Number one, they got the ball to Stephon Diggs, and then other people made plays. I mean Isaiah McKenzie had a nice play there uh, at one point where you know he got the ball in the flat and just took it for eleven or twelve yards for a first down. Uh, Dawson Knox after that, you know, first drop. And I think drops are just going to be something that Bills fans are just going to have to get used to and deal with with Dawson Knox as he figures things out. Uh, but I think you, you got to keep feeding the ball, him the ball because he's a, he's similar to Josh in a lot of ways. He came in as a very raw prospect, didn't get a lot of work at Ole Miss. And I think that every experience that he has in this league now you know, it's it's something he could put in the in in the memory bank and learn from, and and so I thought that he responded pretty well. He made a couple of big catches, and they're just continuing to find a way to uh, manufacture offense, even as you know teams take away guys. Like I thought, Cole Beasley they did a good job on him for the most part, and John Brown wasn't even in the lineup still, and they still found a way to make plays and move the ball. And Stephon Diggs is an absolute freak, and. You know, I said it, I think, on your show or on somebody's show over and over again. Like, I laughed last year when people were talking about that Stefan Diggs deal and, like, the Bills gave up too much. And I'm like, I must be watching a different team in a different game because he's the exact missing piece to this offense and, in a lot of ways, this team. And you saw that in the way that they came off the field yesterday, Mario Addison and Deion Dawkins interrupting the ESPN interview and, you know – calling them both the MVPs. I mean, there's, there's real juice there to, you know, an MVP case for Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs for what he's meant to this offense. So I thought that, you know, the Bills, and I know they got Justin Jefferson, and we'll see how he um, develops. And he had a really hot start to the season. I think he's cooled off quite a bit as teams have gotten tape on him. We'll see how he progresses. He's had a phenomenal rookie season. But I think Stephon Diggs is one of the elite receivers in this league. And you you give up some things, some assets, to get a playmaker like that when you have your quarterback and the Bills obviously have theirs. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, Dawson Knox, he also made a huge catch on fourth and two on like a tipped ball, which was a really good catch from Dawson uh, to, to see that he can make the big play in the big moment. Uh, so you, you mentioned the ESPN interview, and I just want to bring up something. And I just want you, your your thoughts on, and feelings on the MVP race, you know, that's basically narrowed down between Rodgers, Mahomes, and Allen. Uh, obviously, uh, in my opinion, I think Rodgers has it won. I think the Tennessee game showed that. Uh, he was phenomenal. Him and Devontae Adams, just like Allen and Diggs, were playing lights out. So Allen in his last four games uh, has thrown for 1,292 yards, 12 touchdowns, one interception on 70% completion. And Mahomes in his last four games has thrown for a little less, 1,268 yards, eight touchdowns to Allen's 12, and four interceptions to Allen's one, while also only completing 60% of his passes. So, Matt, I just want you to give your thoughts and feelings on, you know, where does Allen stack up in this MVP race? You know, for me, I think right now 
it's hard because I think that there's a really strong case that you can make for both guys that I think are at the top with, you know, just judging by the odds and Patrick Mahomes and um, Aaron Rodgers. But I think that with Josh, you know, he's so well-rounded and he, he can beat you in so many different ways. I think that Patrick Mahomes has an element of that to his game. We've seen it in the playoffs last year, but you know, Josh has really been that dual threat this year and his numbers, I mean, his numbers are better than Lamar's last year. They're better than Cam Newton in his MVP season in 2015. But I think with, with Rogers, I, I, I tweeted it out today and, and some people, you know, responded kind of puzzled a little bit because I basically set it up like this, you know, Mahomes and Rogers have had great seasons and I think they both deserve the love that they're getting. And right now, actually for me, Aaron Rodgers is, is my MVP vote. If I had one it, after 16 weeks, I'd, I'd vote for Aaron Rodgers. He's got 44 touchdown passes. I mean, if you go and look at his passer rating in every game this year, he's only got two games where he uh, was under a hundred passer rating. One of them was an absolute anomaly against Tampa Bay where he was terrible in that game. I mean, if you remember, it was just an absolute mm-hmm. collapse by the green Bay offense. And then one, yeah. he had, you know, 143 yards against the Carolina Panthers team and, and one touchdown and zero picks. He had a 91.6 pass rating. Everything else above 100. This dude has been absolutely unbelievable all year. One, two, three, four, five, six games with four passing touchdowns. He's been the best passing quarterback in the NFL, and, and he's going down the field. Uh, his uh, average uh, adjusted yards game per pass attempt is insane. I think it's um, – let me look it up here. 9.4 per attempt with, I mean, so obviously Devonte Adams is a freak and he's another one of those guys that you probably put in a pool with Stefan days and De- Deandre Hopkins. But I just think that, you know, as it stands right now, unless Josh Allen like, you know, goes out and, and adds another four touchdown game next week or something like that, I would give it to Aaron Rodgers. but that's not to dismiss what Josh Allen has done. I, I think that what he's done against the schedule, he's done it against. I mean, green Bay has had one of the, easier schedules when it comes to you know the top contenders they haven't played a lot of playoff teams teams with winning records Josh Allen's faced some of the top passing defenses in the NFL and he's still putting up those numbers so I think to that point I want to say that that MVP argument is a strong one for Josh Allen I just still even considering that would still give it to Aaron Rodgers and that's not a knock on Josh Allen that's just I think the performance that Aaron Rodgers has had this year um but Josh has been spectacular, man. I, I think that you know, I've been somebody that, as you know, has been very bullish on Josh Allen's NFL or pro potential dating back to when I first got here and got a chance to, you know, start covering him and getting to know him a little bit better and, and, and talking to the people that are, that are in, in the infrastructure built around him and what they think of him. And I always thought that, you know, MVP caliber play was possible, but I, I don't, think that I envision it being this explosive this quickly and Stefan Diggs working right off the jump as seamlessly as it has just to this level. But I, I did think that this was coming. I did expect a massive jump in year three. Uh, I got to go back and look at some of my preseason uh, podcasts and uh, uh, stories just to see what I was specifically saying. But, you know, they've, they've, they've exceeded expectations and he's directly in the MVP conversation. No doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to, like you said to the viewers, you mentioned Rodgers having over 100 rating in every single game but two. Uh, just looking at Allen's uh, season, he did struggle a little bit um, in terms of rating. He had a, a 88 rating against the Chargers, a 77 against Pittsburgh, 
a 77 against Arizona, a 65 against New England, which I mentioned in my last pod. The next, the next development I want to see now is him being able to beat a New England defense led by Bill Belichick, and that's exactly what he did last night. And then KC in Tennessee, he had a 77 and a 73 rating. So, yeah, like you said, I'm not trying to downplay um, Josh Allen's year. I think he's right up there, and he's playing better football than Pat Mahomes um, the last, through the last four weeks, and I think even through the last seven weeks, uh, their stats are very similar. Right so, now, yeah. Right now, the last couple of weeks, I, I would agree with that. I'd still think that Patrick Mahomes has put together one of, you know, probably you know, if not for Rogers going off, I, I think that he was trending towards the MVP maybe even three weeks ago, and he's had a little bit of a struggle here lately. And I wonder how much of that is, you know, this the game's so easy for Kansas City, dude. Like, you, you watch the way that they play the game. I'm wondering if boredom hasn't set in a little bit, and 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 I, I have a feeling that. You know, the, the team that plays them in the, in the second round to start things off is going to be in for, you know, in Fuego Mahomes, like the guy that, you know, everybody remembers because this kind of – this probably has left a bad taste in his mouth the last couple of years and then – or the last couple of weeks. And then on Aaron Rodgers, don't forget, this is year 16 for this dude. He's one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the, in, the, in the game. And Josh Allen in year three, a guy that's not even three years removed from being called a parody of a prospect, is literally nipping at his heels. That's not a bad thing. That's not a knock. This dude has had an unbelievable season, the the greatest season in, in Bill's franchise history for a quarterback, and, and there's still a game to play. We'll see how much he plays, though. I mean, uh, Sean McDermott seems to think, you know, I, or I seem to think that judging by, by Sean McDermott's comments today, we could see a limited amount of the starters as the Pittsburgh Steelers have already ruled out Ben Roethlisberger and they're going with Mason Rudolph. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I think Rodgers is definitely that guy that if the, if, the, if the Packers don't have Rodgers, it's just not the same. But I, you can make the same case for all these guys. I mean, they're all phenomenal players, and I think Rodgers does deserve it the most this year. Uh, before we get into the Miami game, I just want to bring up a crazy stat. So if you want to bring up Josh Allen's receiving touchdown, he does have 43 touchdowns total on the year. And Corey Bajorquez – doesn't even register for punting stats because he's only put up 37 punts this year and he, he's not even registered in the system because he has not had enough punts through 15 games on the year, which is just a crazy stat to me. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so uh, now getting this Miami game uh, came out today that Cole Beasley is a week to week. Um, now Josh Allen has found a guy in Cole Beasley and he's been reliable and always been there for Josh, even when, you know, he doesn't have the best games, but Cole Beasley's putting together a career year this year. If, if Beasley can't go, I mean, I hope he's back for the wild card game and, you know, the situation with wrestling playing the starters this week. Uh, do you think Beasley's going to be back for the wild card game or do you think, like, how do you think that's going to go? Do you think he's okay? I mean, we'll definitely have to see how this thing goes. I mean, if, if, if Cole Beasley misses all three days of practice, and, you know, we'll, we'll see how much we're even able to see it because Wednesday, tomorrow is a walkthrough on a short week. So there won't be media access because I think they'll either do it on uh, inside or there's just not media access tomorrow. So we won't even see them practice. So we'll see them practice Thursday and maybe Friday. And that's if, you know, they keep the practices outside. So we'll keep a close eye on it. I definitely think this is concerning because of the type of injury that it was. And I think it's, I think it's a good sign that he's not going on injured reserve, but we've also seen this where they've taken their time to evaluate a guy and then put them on injured reserve. So week to week is never a thing that you want to hear. And 
it's concerning because depending on who they play in the first round, I mean, if they're matched up with the Baltimore Ravens or the, or the Cleveland Browns or the Indianapolis Colts, I mean, they're going to need the horses and the guys that brought them there. And even getting John Brown back is a good thing. And you could probably mix things up and, and figure out a way. I think Stephon Diggs is the most irreplaceable guy in the offense because of what it means for everybody else. And I think that you could probably stick Isaiah McKenzie into a similar role, role as Cole Beasley and having it a 100% John Brown would help. But if Cole Beasley can't play, I, I definitely think it impacts the game and impacts Josh Allen. And um, I think that will shift the emphasis and the focus more to the offensive line and them maintaining the level of play that they've had. That's one of the most, you know, least talked about storylines right now with this team is because it's been so consistent. This offensive line is playing, you know, really, really good football, particularly in pass protection. And as long as that's happening, even if Cole Beasley misses a game or two, or, you know, depending on how long he's out for, I think they, they can figure things out. They've, they've done a good job at adapting. They're battle tested. And I think, you know, you, you figure that Brian Dable can probably, you know, scheme something up and figure it out. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, despite the fact that if, if uh, John Brown can't come back for some reason and there's no Cole Beasley on the field either, you're left with Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, and Isaiah McKenzie, who I, I don't know if – I know our offensive line's been great. Allen's had all the time. He's had a great year. Diggs is a great player. But without without Beasley and Brown, who, who were there last year, and bring the experience with them, I think that that would be a really big struggle for the Bills if you lose both of them. Well. Oh yeah, so, definitely. definitely. So uh, I want I just want your opinion on this. Um, so McDermott said on the presser today he realized that the Steelers uh, were benching Big Ben for the last week to start Rudolph, basically not conceding the game but giving the Browns a greater chance to win. And they, and they asked McDermott, you know, does this affect your decision on resting your players? And he kind of said, I think you wanted the competitive competitive advantage and just kind of like you know. I just want to keep it within the organization. I haven't spoken to the players yet. Uh, in your opinion, do you want to see the starters play at least a half, or do you want to just rush the starters, get healthy? And, uh, if, I mean, hey, the Steelers could still win. I mean, I know Mason Rudolph's in there, but you never know what happens. So do you want to see the starters play, or do you want to see the uh, backups get in there and get some time? Um. Uh, I think that, you know, you definitely want to be smart in terms of, you know, mitigating potential disaster with a, an injury to one of your key players. And so I think they'll want to definitely be careful. And one of the things that's interesting about this Bills team is we saw last year in the closer against the Jets. I mean, they have depth. I, mean, I think they would be able to probably keep it close with Miami, even if they went, uh, you know, with some backups and maybe went with Josh Allen for just a half try to run up the score a little bit, although this Miami defense is, is not an easy task to, to do something like that. But I think you just have to be careful. I think you have to – but at the same time, I think that there's value in the second pick – or the se second seed. I think mm -hmm. two home playoff games, you know, just, even without – like a lot of fans, even if they end up with 6,700 or maybe even no fans, whatever that ends up being, you know, going through the, the process of, of playing a, a home game – during the week, I think is just a game changer. And I, I would definitely try to make sure that uh, you, you try to at least get that seed if you can. But I'm not an NFL head coach. We'll see uh, what Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean cook up. Maybe it is about, you know, keeping everybody healthy, getting into the dance. And, um, you know, one factor that you do have to take into consideration, the more I sit here and think about it is, 
you know, the Cleveland Browns are going to be playing for the playoff life and, and they're going to be healthy. They're going to get their guys back. You, you think. And so I think that if you're the bills, you sit back and figure um, the Browns probably take care of business. We'll sit back and, um, you know, try to stay as healthy as can be, especially with this Cole Beasley development. Yeah, very true. I like your points there. Uh, before I get going here, uh, you know, Brian Flores has gone back and forth between two unfits. He, you know, two of struggles, Fitz goes in, saves the day most of the time. Uh, would you rather see, like, from the Bills' perspective, uh, Tua or Fitzy coming to Buffalo this Sunday? Uh, personally, personally, I'd like to see um, Tua because i just like to see how he deals with this defense in December, in well, – will it be January by then? I think it will be January. You know – in Bill Stadium, and, and I, I have not seen the weather report yet, but I have a feeling that it'll at least be a little bit chilly and a little bit breezy in that stadium. And, you know, he's been somebody I've been really skeptical about his ability to sling it, you know, in, in, a, in a good environment weather-wise. And so I think he'd struggle in that setting. So I'd like to see that and what it looks like. And we know what Fitz, Fitzpatrick can do. And I think Fitzpatrick probably gives them a better chance to win. Uh, but to your earlier point, like we don't even know the circumstances of this game yet and who the Bills are going to be trotting out there. But I'd like to see Tua just personally, see him up close and personal for the first time. Uh, that's who I'd probably want to see. He needs to get that ball. He needs to throw the ball uh, a little further. He's been, he's been, he's been completing his passes. It's just, you know, he's been really, really sh throwing it short and kind of not really pushing the ball on the field. I mean, I know he doesn't have Devontae Parker and some of those guys. Preston Williams was put on IR early, but I'd like to see Tua, you know, throw the ball down the field more. And then, like you said, I mean, if, if he struggles, I think Fitz does give them the best the chance to win. So Fitz could be rolled out there in the second half if Tua's struggling against – I mean, our starting defense, our backup, I think I think either of our defenses could put up a fight against uh, Tua. So before you go, I just want to uh, give some stats about the Miami defense. Uh, they allow 18.8 points per game, which is first in the league. They have a plus 11 turnover differential, and they have forced 27 turnovers on the season. So, I mean, a couple weeks back, Mahomes threw three picks against them, and it looks like they were going to win that game. So just your thoughts on Allen, and if he does play, can he keep that success up that he did against them in week two? Yeah, I mean, he loves playing against the Miami Dolphins, and he's had a lot of success against Brian Flores, even despite how well he's built that defense and added players. And I and I just think that he's in his zone right now, man. It's It, it, it really – it doesn't matter who he plays against. I mean, he's, he's, he's showing the, you know, weekly, the development in his game and the new places that he can take it. And so, no, I – I don't think that – I would consider him, you know, I don't want to say matchup proof, but I, I think that no matter the defense that he's going to face week in and week out, the way that he played against that Pittsburgh Steelers team, I know they were allowed Bud Dupree, and, but they still had T.J. Watt, they still had Minka Fitzpatrick, and, and, he, and he was cooking in that game. So uh, what he did against Richard Sherman in that 49ers defense, I mean, I, there's been a lot of excuses – that I think people or haters, if you will, could use this year with Josh because of some of the matchups and some of the guys that haven't been in. But I think he's done enough to show that this this version of him is a year three version is uh, something special. Okay, quick thing before you go, I don't want you, I don't want you to give a score because obviously you don't know the situation. 
But do the Bills get the thirteen and three, or do they drop the twelve and four this week? Oof, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I if they're going with Tua, which all indications are that they are, I th- I like this defense uh, to tune things up for, for the playoffs and have a nice performance against uh, them. So I, I I'd probably go the Bills depending on the situation. So I guess maybe check in on my feed in a couple days and uh, we'll see where I'm at. All right, Matt. Thank you for joining me. Uh, I appreciate talking football with you always and uh, have fun this week. All right, buddy. Take care. All right. You too. All right. So before we get going here, uh, I just want to give up some playoff scenarios for the bills. Um, So assuming all the AFC favorites win uh, next week coming up, which is Baltimore over Cincinnati, Tennessee over Houston, and Indianapolis over Jacksonville. Um, Here's how the Bills' first-round opponent would play out. So if Buffalo wins and Pittsburgh wins, we play the Miami Dolphins at home. If Buffalo wins and Pittsburgh loses, we would play the Indianapolis Colts at home. If the Bills lose and Pittsburgh loses, uh, we, we would play the Browns. And last but not least, which is the hardest one, to, to happen because, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, the, the Steelers are starting Mason Rudolph. Uh, Buffalo has to lose and Pittsburgh has to win for us to basically drop to the three seed and play the Baltimore Ravens. So, again, I said Baltimore over Cincinnati, Tennessee over Houston, and Indy over Jacksonville. That's, that's assuming all those things happen. So, all the AFC favorites win next week. That's how the scenarios roll out. Uh, this has been AJ Sabalski with the Buffalo Sports Podcast. Um, Please tune in, uh, you know, retweet my my podcast on Twitter, listen to it on Spotify, all that good stuff. So I appreciate it. And as always, go Bills, and I will uh, see you next week.